Welcome to the Back on Track Podcast, the podcast that will inspire, impact, and empower you, and will bring forth conversations and information that will help you finally break free from the internal shackles that are restricting you from making maximum progress in your life and business. And now, here's your host, speaker, trainer, storyteller, author, and coach, Ghazi Muhammad. Okay, we're now live, my brother. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Back on Track. I'm your host, Brother Gazi, and we have here today a special guest, uh, you know, a very phenomenal brother, great human being. I was blessed to um, meet our brother several years ago. It's been about four or five years now, and um, it was strange how we met initially. I think you was up in New York at the time, um, and you was making the transition. Uh, or you was on a tour, I believe, uh, with your books. Yes, and sir. And you were moving yes, from um, moving here to Arizona, and one of the brothers up there say, oh, man, you're going to Arizona. I need to connect you with a brother, man, because some of our work is, is similar with um, the things you was doing with the Homeboy Hotline, helping um, brothers coming out, you know, making that transition from prison. So, you yes, know, sir. it definitely was an honor. And in that four or five-year period, I've watched this brother like rise tremendously I've, I've watched doors open up I've, I've watched his territory expand I, I, i've watched him grow phenomenally so it's an honor my brother to have you on today to share your story you know with the listeners and um let's get right into it man i want to bring on my big brother fleetwood how you doing big brother man i better not complain i woke up on this side of the fence man i'm good man you know god he won't stop blessing me man he got his hands on me so you know um, before we get in, go any further, I just want to thank you for allowing me to be on your platform. And likewise, I have seen you grow. I told you when I first met you that you was like the modern day Malcolm. And, um, you know, I just appreciate you, my big brother. You know, we in the ball head club. When I met <laughs> right. you, we didn't have an afro and I didn't either. So, yeah, you know, right. that, that yeah, was simultaneous right. right there. But yeah, guys, man, you are phenomenal, man. You are a light in a dark world. And um, the best is yet to come for you, my brother. You you leading people to Allah, man. You leading people to God, man. And um, yeah, just salute to you and all your endeavors. And um, I ain't seen you do nothing but grow and prosper, man. And when you got favor in your life, that's because God is proud of what you're doing, and you highly favored. So salute yes, to you and your movement, man. I appreciate you, and brother Hakeem Khalik saying the big brother Fleetwood, man. That's my big brother, that Hakeem, man. Hey, what's up, baby? Powerful I brother, didn't talk man. To you, boy. Yeah, yeah, right, man. We need to get um, Hakeem on this podcast, man. That brother, that he had a great impact on my life, man. You know, he and his yes, wife, sir. Queen, very phenomenal yes, human beings. But right. um, okay, man. So let's get into it, man. Let's you know, let's talk a, 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 a little bit about your early life, man. You know, you know some of your upbringing. You know, some of the things you've gone through. You know, what brought you to this point now, where you're a phenomenal. You know, we're gonna get to the director, the the, the, yeah. the filmmaker, the music yes, producer. Sir. You know, we're gonna yes, get to sir. all that later. But yes, you know, sir. what brought you to that point? You, you know, let's talk about your life a little bit. Well, man, you know, I just I wrote a book called Hip Hop Tried to Kill Me, national bestseller, and I described myself in the first page as divorce tour. Um, my family is from Greensboro, North Carolina. Greensboro had the first city in um at Woolworth called the Wilmington Ten. Some students from North Carolina A and T. 
and then um, Martin Luther King started the boycotts from that. Um, so my my dad, he went into the Air Force in Travis Air Force Base in California. Then he went back and got his high school sweetheart and his mom, which was my mom. And um, you know, he got out of the Air Force, and um, you know, he did he he realized he couldn't make it in California, so he went back to Vietnam like Frank Lucas and got tons of hair on, came back to Cali, he became a mob man. I grew up with OJ and um, Marvin Gaye in my house snorting cocaine, and Chuck Khan was my dad's girlfriend. My mom found out, my, my dad used to leave every morning like he was a bus driver, and um, like he was going to work to drive the Muni bus in Frisco. He'd go to Oakland, change clothes, and get on his hustle. And my mom was going to school for nursing. She opened the oven one night and, and thought it was cookies and tasted it and realized it was narcotics, called my grandmama, and my grandmama told her to grab me and get on a plane. And that was five, I was five years old, took me back to Greensboro. I, I'm, I'm my dad's only son. He only got two children. He was devastated. Three months later, my dad came back to Greensboro. I guess they had a talk or whatever. And he took me back to California. And I was there for about a year. And then him and my mom worked it out. Mm -hmm. I've been on airplanes my whole life, back and forth. So it developed me into a storyteller, man. Cause I seen a lot. I remember walking through Chicago airport. I was about seven years old and um, the stewardess was holding my hand. They had gave me some little pilot wings and I'm looking all around, and, you know? So I used to leave Cali, go back to North Carolina. And I would tell the little homies, I saw the black Panthers in East Oakland where my grandmama and them stayed at and uh, Angela Davis and Huey Newton. And they was in all black and this and that. And then uh, 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 when I would go to Cali, I would tell the little homies about the country, about North Carolina. And I was in the fourth grade, and this teacher said, did anybody want to stand up and say what they did this summer? I raised my hand up like this and ran to the front of the class. And um, I just started start coming out like water. And um, I ain't been afraid of the stage since. You know, and the lady pulled me to the side and said, son, you a born storyteller. You know, just keep telling your story. I can't tell you what the adverb is right now, but I can write a book in a month. So that, that's, that was my life, going back and forth from them planes, getting exposed to the Bay Area, the gangsterism, the pimping and pandering, the racism, the injustice, the um, the hippies, the CBO, community-based organization movement, then going to North Carolina. I remember I was about nine, and the Ku Klux Klan came through Greensboro and shot it up in one of the most notorious projects um, because some people was, um, was there holding a protest. It didn't have nothing to do with the, um, the people living in the projects. Me and my mom rode through there right when it was happening, and I never forget, I asked my mama what was happening. She said, baby, this is a crazy world. Whatever you do, don't never stop praying. My mama was a welfare worker in Greensboro. I used to play with food stamps on the desk as a little boy, and she the one who put philanthropism in me, doing good. You know, I seen my mama do girls' hair all in the hood, preparing them for church on Sunday. My cousin there was chili. She used to make all the um, girls' chili eating suits. She was a seamstress. She was a beautician. I never heard my mama cussing her in her life. You know, she 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 was a devout Christian, and um, you know, she was a Southern girl, and um, you know, my mom, bro, I, you know, her only thing was them cigarettes. At the time, she could smoke cigarettes in the office. She used to smoke them Saratoga slim little brown cigarettes. My mom died. I'm 17 years old, bro, and um, I didn't understand it, man. I was mad at God at the time, man, and I just. Uh, man, I didn't understand. I was, I was, I was towed up, bro. You know, yeah, and, um, would, if you can move your camera down a little bit so we can see. Oh uh, yeah, sit up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we can see you now. I, 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 I was towed <laughs> up, man. I, I, I just, 
I didn't understand why God did that to my mama, man. You know, she had a breast removed, all her hair fell out. And I was 17 years old, bro. And I, I just went crazy, man. I was mad at the world, everything. I went back to California. Well, hold on. At 18 years old, my mama left me an $80,000 house and 20000 $20, left on it. And I got $15,000 on my birthday. I went and bought a quarter pound of weed, a brand new car, put rims on it, tinted the windows. And all the girls said I was the prettiest Negro they ever seen for a year and a half. And, and I, I was doing skip parties in my mama's house, closing all the curtains, all the high school people was coming. I was, I had the dopest car in the whole city, more money than anybody ever seen. This was before crack. I was the number one stunner to this day. And they called me Black Raw back then. So a year and a half later, I'm, I'm, I done lost everything, wrecked my car twice. I'm living in a liquor house because I was doing construction work with this dude that used to mess with my mom. And I was living in a liquor house on Bingham Street in Greensboro, across the street from the cemetery where my mom was buried at. And one day at work, I had been working for about three weeks. I heard him say something slick about my mom. I said, okay, Negro. All right. So we went back to the liquor house. And I said, tonight, I'm finna open this thing wide open. I'm finna take all this Negro money, and I'm leaving Greensboro. Because I couldn't, you know, just sit, living right where my mom was buried it was just crazy. I couldn't. I was just going through it, bro. So I, I opened the liquor house wide open. I think I made about $80. I went to the Greyhound bus station. I had looked in the paper, and it was an oil job in Clayton, New Mexico. And I bought me a ticket to Clayton, New Mexico. And I just thought as I rode, man, like I just wanted to make my mama proud of me. And um, I went to Clayton, New Mexico. God is my witness. I was the only black person in Clayton, New Mexico. And I was making $18 an hour, smoking weed, walking across um, um, beans 200 feet in the air. So I did that for about two months. Then I went to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Then I went to Rock Springs, Wyoming. And then after that job, I went to Houston. Then I ended back up in Cali. Me and my dad reconciled. And that's when crack cocaine hit, man. And, um, you know, I was in and out of prisons and community and county jails. You know, I grew up in the downtown San Francisco where the outcasts be at, the runaways, the prostitutes, the pimps, the dirty police, the homelessness. It's where they made pursuit of happiness. That's where I grew up at the Tenderloin. Um, Dave Chappelle said, ain't nothing tender about the tender lawn. You know, but um, what I love about it, either you're going to sink or you're going to swim. I'm one of the few that has made it up out of that tender lawn and prosperous to this day. And um, I, I love it for what it taught me. You know, I'm a sidewalk grinder, rhyme, two-time, and a 49, bang, bang, nine again. So, um, you know, I, I got tired of going to prison and jail. My grandma was like, you got to leave California. Either you're going to um, get your life together uh, we ain't messing with you. Say we give you two thousand, go anywhere you want. At that time, Janet Jackson, everybody was um um Minneapolis, Minnesota was on fire. It was the new Motown. Janet Jackson was up there, Jimmy Jam them. So I I had always been a writer and been rapping and all that. So I I told her I wanted to go to Minneapolis. I went to Minneapolis, didn't know nobody, got me an apartment, and then I um I went to music school for audio engineering. Started my first record label. Um, my, my first book was Probable Cause. I found out though, you know, the streets kicked in. I found out an ounce of cocaine cost twelve hundred, but it cost four hundred in California. <laughs> a week later, my homie sent me nine ounces of coke in the mail, and I was getting my money. But you know, that wasn't nothing but a, a, a setup for Satan. He was putting carpet up under me to snatch it out from up under my feet so I could fall. I say about nine months later. I had four ounces of cocaine in my underwear. Some dudes tried to rob me. I jumped out a two-story window, hit my face on the side of the fence right here, and I blacked out and woke up handcuffed to the hospital bed. 
You know, these people gave me 60 months. I said, 60 months? I added it up. I said, man, that's five years. I said, oh, my God. I said, man, I done did a year, six months, nine months. I said, man, I can't do no nine, five years. Y'all know. He said, take him to the back. Man, I'm sitting in that cell for a whole year. I was mad at the white man. Mad at the white man. Second year, I was mad at the women who stopped writing. Third year, I was mad at them Negroes who wouldn't send me no more money. The fourth year, I looked in that mirror. I said, it was you, bro. It was the choices that you have made with your life that you are uh, 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 enabling you right now to deal with the consequences from them. So it's you, homie. Quit pointing the finger at somebody because three of them pointed at you. And that's when I started the rebirth of my life, bro. I started reading the Tehran. I started reading the um, uh, uh, I started reading the Torah. I started reading the Quran, and I, I started practicing Sunni Muslim. I became a Sunni Muslim, and I started changed my name to Jihad Abrafo Shakur, and I started working out mentally and spiritually. I was damn all them lifting weights. They ain't gonna do nothing. So I spiritually started getting myself together and preparing for my exit. 1996, August 15th, they released me from prison. Two weeks after Tupac got killed. And um, I came out, I um, continued the movement with my music. I released an album called Probable, um, They Own Something by my group Probable Cause. I had a hit record in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And um, I had GDs on Vice Lords, Crips. We ain't had no bloods, but it was GDs, BDs, Vice Lords. And uh, one of them was uh, Mickey Cope in my group. You can look it up right now uh, online. It's called Probable Cause, They Own Something. We had a hit record. Soon as I started making progress with my um, musical career and I had my first record label of Steel Hustling Music, the, the heads of all them different street gangs start telling them, we'll put money behind you. Y'all don't need that Negro. He think he Master P. I said, all right, man. I got in my car and I drove back to Frisco and I connected with my brother. He's in the nation, JT the Bigger Figure. And Fig told me, go get all my masters. Come back and um, I'm going to put you on. Um, my, my soundtrack I'm doing, Beware of Those. So I was damn near out of money. I went back to Minnesota and I gave a dude, I, I, I still was close to the streets. I gave a dude three rocks of crack cocaine. I said, let me use your car for an hour. And he said, okay, cool. And I went and got my little nephews, Gunny and, and um, Ski, may Ski rest in peace. And um, I drove that stolen car all the way from Minneapolis, Minnesota to San Francisco, Fillmore District, pulled over and, and got out. And called JT, and JT took me in the studio. It was me, Messy Marv, San Quinn, the Gamblers, um, and Demo. And we made a record call from the Filthy to the Shady from, from San Francisco to Minnesota. It was a smash. And, um, man, I've been on my grind since then. And i just been using my journey, man, you know, to um to, 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 to show people change is possible. Ain't nothing going to change unless you change. That's just simple. And ain't nothing going to work unless you work. So I started that, and I started working in homeless shelters in, 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 um, in San Francisco. I started as a janitor, and I worked my way up to a peer advocate, then all the way to a case manager. And then my uncle, he had a youth program in Lakeview, um, inner city youth, and he hired me as a case manager. And that's what I was doing, you know. That's what I've been doing for the last 20-something years, drug-free, you know. Um, ain't nobody looking for me. Ain't no warrants out. Ain't got no beef with nobody but the devil. You know what I'm saying? And on um, my pen bleed heavy. I got more stories than Donna Goins. They couldn't fade me with Clorox. They can go to barber school the rest of their life. Then they couldn't fade me. But I ain't cocky. I'm confident in who God has shaped and mold me to be. They right. know who I is, and I know who I is. I ain't no gangster. I'm a soldier. I'm a messenger. 
um, sent by God to, to use these gifts I got from film, books, and music and um, to lead people to God, to let them know, hey, man, you can change if you change your life. Attitude is everything. You feel me? The cup ain't never half empty. It's half full. It's the way you look at life, man. So that's why I, I, I go in prisons. I go in juvenile halls. And I, I, I spill my spill. And I try not to point the finger at them and tell them what they should do. I just tell them what I did and where right. I'm at. They hear my pain. They see I got that grandmama joy. Right. I got that grandmama joy in me. I'm happy. And then let me ask you. Huh? And then let me ask you. So, man, you, yes, know, you got a remarkable story. Yes, and, sir. Um, you know, your story is so vast, man. You can go on and on and on and on and on, right? Sure, and yes, um, you know, you touched certain things in your life. You know, uh, coming up, you know, um, you know, your father, you know, doing what he doing was the hustler side. But on the flip side, you know, your mother was a um, I said you got Pac and Biggie on that. And <laughs> um, you, you know, you said your mother was the was the um, devout Christian. Who, yes, you know, never yes, cursed. He was a good person, but your father was the mobster. He was a hustler and things like that. So yes, growing sir. up in that kind of dynamic, and oftentimes many people grow up in not the the, the ideal home. Where, 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 you know, it's always like that contradiction. You know, like yeah, many yeah. families have. You know, you got some people in your family that's hustlers, they drug addicts, etc. You got other people that are trying to do right and trying to, you know, and sometimes the the, the influence of the negative pull us more than the influence of the positive, right? So with yes, all sir. the things you've gone through, you, you know, you, I mean, man, you, you just shot a, a lot and, and you went through it so fast, but it's rich with lessons. At yes, what sir. point, you know, going through, how much time did you spend in prison totally? Man, I did 16 years. I added it up one day since first time I went to jail, I was 12 years old. My daddy went to Vegas and I, uh, he left me and I broke in, he had, uh, what do you call it, dead boat locks on his bedroom though. So I knew something was in there. I went, to, went around the house and broke in his room he had about five pounds in there and about two keys of hair on. And I just got the weed and had me some, had me and me and my friends. So I went to Martinez um juvenile facility. He came back, I left footprints on the top of the toilet. That's how I knew I did it. And um I went to Martinez jail at 12 years old in California. Out of my whole life, I added up. I did 16 years. But I got out in 1996 and I ain't been back since um involuntarily. <laughs> I go right. back over all, you know what I'm talking about? The yeah, past over, right. you know what I'm talking about? I go back over the past over. Like, let me up here and holler at the little home. Yeah. Right. And you know, man, I, I'm going to tell you, you know, that's um, um, remarkable, that brother, because, you know, at what point, though, did your life, like, because some people, they steeped in that world. I mean, you was around drugs, you was around violence, you was around hustlers, people making money, obviously. But at what point do you say, you know, enough is enough. You know, like for the other brothers out there right now who's steeped in their world, and they think many of these young brothers, they think that I'm a, I'm a live in this world. I'm, I'm gonna get my money. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my woman. I'm gonna get my clothes, my material things, and then I'm gonna get up out of the game, so to speak. You know, at what point did you shift your consciousness and like change your life and and, and get more towards God and more towards giving and why did you stop? I mean, the money was good. Women was there. You had all the women. You had the money, the clothes, the popularity. Why would you give that up to start doing something different? I just want to, man, I just want to make my mama proud, bro. And I knew my mama wouldn't be proud of what I was doing. You know, I was in prison, and i never forget, bro, that um, I had Lil' Kim on, you know, you used to take magazine pictures and tear them out, put toothpaste on the back. I had my whole wall in prison like a like it was customized, Lil' Kim, Foxy Brown, 
you know, Biggie all them on the wall. And then I had a checkerboard on the toilet. Then I had my uh, couple of towels all on the wall. OG walked past. He said, he said, man, you ain't never going home, bitch. I said, man, I get out in three years. He said, you show comfortable up in here. This your home right here, nephew. I said, huh? He said, man, you got it fixed up real nice. And walked away. I sat back. I thought about that. I said, man, I don't become institutionalized. I don't mind being here. Man, I started ripping all that stuff down off them walls. I wanted to look like jail because I ain't never wanted to forget where I was at. And I prayed right there and started talking to my mama, me and my grandmama and them. I said, just give me one more chance, man. I get up out of here, I'm going to do everything that y'all used to tell me y'all knew I could do. You know what I'm saying? And I told myself, I said, I'm in here making a dollar twenty-five cent an hour. McDonald's is a come-up. I'm in here sleeping with a Negro, gotta smell him, listen to his old sad Sam stories and all that old other stuff. Man, a homeless shelter is a come-up. From here, I said, man, the community don't owe me nothing. I was a predator in the community, preying on people that had addiction. With an, I had an addiction too. I was a predator. The community don't owe me nothing. You know what I'm saying? If God right. give me another chance, man, get up out of here. I'm going to McDonald's. Man, I take your order, please. Welcome to McDonald's. You know, uh, man, hell, that's a come up. Hey, if man, I go on a homeless shelter, huh? Hello, baby. Because we got to delve into something you just said that was very powerful about because I've been there and I see Carlos on here. And, um, you know, he said he remember those days you were talking about. And um, yes, actually, you know, what's up, baby? You, know, you know, coach, good people, man. And, uh, you know, actually, he and I was. You know, in the uh, belly of the beast together about 20, yes, 25 sir. years ago, man. You know, yes, you know, he yes, was sir. buck wild at the time, but he's he, he come a long way. We gotta get matter of fact, he's gonna be on this podcast like real soon, man. I'm putting it out there yes, call it publicly. But yes, um, he um, you know, uh, you said something about all the pictures you had on your wall and how you know you became comfortable in in that situation. And a lot of people yes. right now, we in straight up hell in our life. But right. what we do is we try to make hell comfortable. So right. we rather live in a in a comfortable hell rather than an uncomfortable heaven, so to speak, right? Woo, so woo. we know where we at. We know it ain't where we should be. We know it ain't yes, the right. ideal life for us. We know it ain't the best thing for us. But we yes, rationalize right. in our mind, and, and rather than get the hell up out of there as quick as possible, we just be comfortable, and we start putting things in there to make it pleasant. You know, almost right. like a slave on the plantation. You want to be a comfortable slave rather than an right. uncomfortable free man. You see what I'm saying? Right. You know, yes, so. That's a key point because a lot of people do that in life, not yeah. just in prison, but a lot of people do that right now in their life. They have comfortized, if that's a word, they have comfortized yeah. hell. Hell yes, is supposed sir. to be uncomfortable so you can it, it will be an inspiration to you and a motivation for you to get the hell up out of that. Not so you can stand there forever and survive right. forever. So, man, right. that was a powerful point right there, man. Well, you know, when you stop dreaming, you stop living. You know, you can't never get comfortable where you're at because God has you on a journey. You know, the main thing, I think when people get comfortable is when they lose a connection with a higher power. You know what I'm saying? If you don't have a connection with a higher power, you ain't going to have no guidance or direction. You know, a lot of people like fruit cocktail, they, they, they don't know if they're a peach palm or a pear. They just float in the juice. Right. And a confused mind will confuse you. Your association will determine your destination in life. The difference of one fool and two fools is when you argue with one. You know what I'm saying? So I just did a new song called Trim the Fat, and it's all about getting toxic people away from it. I can't save all these Negroes, but I can pray for them. 
You know what I'm saying? And that's my thing, man. I can't save all of them, God, and you can't either. Best thing we can do is aspire from a distance, bro. You know what I'm saying? God has us on a mission, man. We got to do what God brought us to do. We battle-tested, baby. We got scars. We got slashes. We've been to war, baby. You understand me? But the war ain't over. So, you know, yeah, a lot of people stuck on stupid, man. They, they on mute. They don't know what they want to do, but that ain't my problem, man. Only thing I can do is inspire them from a distance and keep moving. Because I'm allergic to drama and confusion. It breaks me out like poor. I, I, oh, man, I, I got to get, get away from it. So, you know, you know, I, man, I just, I, I try to help as many people as I can. You got a good heart, guys. You do too. But sometimes, bro, you, 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 you can't be the battery for people because they'll drain you. Right. You got to have batteries that you can go to and, and, and get some juice from too sometimes. You know what I'm saying? So that's all. I mean, I, I'm telling you, bro, that's one thing I had to learn, man, because, you know, I got a bandwagon. And it's rolling right now. And, man, they, everybody my cousin. I got cousins calling me. I don't even know who they is. People call me from block numbers, all kind of stuff. So, I mean, you know, to, just to, to, to piggyback on what you just said, man, is somebody got to be the garbage man. And then somebody got to be the, the, the person hitting the cone. Somebody, everybody, everybody got their own lane, bro. And until a person know what they was meant to do here, they going to not live life. I tell them all the time, whatever you'll get up and do at 5 a.m. for free, nine times out of 10, that's your gift from God. Find a legal way to get paid for it. I tell little homies, don't stop hustling. Just change what's in the sack, baby. If you like to smoke weed, move to a state where it's legal. What you going to be in Arizona for it ain't legal until the 21st of January? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's what I tell people, man. You got to find what you love to do in life and then find a legal way to get paid for it. And you will, leave, you will love life. Right. You know what I'm saying? But misery love company, bro. You man, if you if you're grinning, you win. You know, man, you be smiling, guys. You know, because right. we with it, baby. You know what I'm saying? We hide in favor, baby. You know what I'm saying? When good things happen in your life, that's because God is pleased with how you live in your life. If you keep having problems, man, you got to uh, reboot and find out something you ain't doing ain't right. Cause God right. ain't pleased with you. That's yeah. just what it is, man. But I mean, you can't pour water no rock. A lot of these niggas won't listen. That's on them. I can pray for you. I can't say you're home. You know what I'm saying? They ain't gonna hey, listen, God. Hey, they hey, ain't no listen. doubt. And, and, yeah, and let me say something. Let, let yes, me say sir. something about that. You know, sometimes, you know, in my own personal journey, of, especially dealing with young people, right? A lot yeah. of people who are older, you know, we tend to to sometimes be judgmental to our youth, right? right. Now, true to the fact, young people are a lot different than when we were coming up. I'm, I'm 49. How do you? Um, um, I'm young enough to want to, and old enough to know I shouldn't want to. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm, okay. I'm 57 Chevy, baby. Okay, you 57. Okay, so listen. I used to put, I, uh, what they call it, waterproof eyeliner all on this, trying to look young in the club, right, when I'm doing my shows. And then by the hour, it's, I start sweating and all the black stuff be all over shirt. And they were like, she said, how old you say you were? <laughs> I said, hold on, let me go to the bathroom. I got my eyes out of thing in my pocket, and I come back. I said, I said, no, my, that was the light. That was just the light. I, yeah, I, right. I was too. Okay. Hey, man, that's powerful. <laughs> that's too crazy, bro. <laughs> hey, hey, man, but, hey, hey, man, but let me tell you. Hey, yes, sir. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, and let me tell you, man, you know, sometimes, you know, we tend to judge one another, and especially our young people, right? Yes, and, yes, um, you know, some things I've learned in life was um, that um, people who have a servant heart, people who want to help. It's for everybody who listened to this call right here people who have a servant heart, people who want to help. You know, we have the mindset sometimes that we would give and we would help, and then we would start judging.
because we right. would think like, oh, these people ain't listening. You know, if you got one of the nephews in your um uh, um uh, mind, if you got one of the nephews in your life or one of the cousins or somebody you talk to, yeah. you know, one of the youngsters that you know you talk to, and they just don't listen, right? They seem to be yeah. hard headed, right? We seem to judge them sometimes. Right. And, and, and once we judge him, then we tend to cut him off. Like, I ain't talking to him no more. But listen, right. when you come through something, when God has brought you through something, when he delivered your little raggedy behind, then your job is only to plant seeds and to be a good example. That's all right. we can do. We got to plant That's seeds true. and be a good example. Because if we plant enough seeds out there, that person, they might not listen when you want them to listen. They might right. not change when you want them to change. But if we plant the seed in them right, with the right, right kind of heart, the right kind of spirit, with the spirit of love, like the brother, right. I love you. We plant that right. seed at some point. If they don't right. be cut down in life, if they don't be murdered or, or, or they don't die at an early age, at some right. point that seed will blossom and it will take fruit. And so right. rather than judge them and condemn them and say, I'm cutting them off because they're not listening to when you say they supposed to listen. They're not changing right. when you say they supposed to change. They're gonna change on their own time in their own time and when it's right for them right when they dissatisfied sure. enough they're gonna start changing but what if we didn't plant the seeds and i got that from i remember when i was younger brother i was like crazy i was exposed to the teachings of, of the Amman, uh, elijah muhammad and the elements louis far kind of very young age right because my uncle wow. was the captain of the fy in st louis yes, but sir. i was still buck wild though but i remember yes, a lot of them brothers some of the fy brothers that i come across i in my mind, I'm thinking like, what if them brother would have stayed to hell with him? He hard-headed. He rebellious. Right. He ain't going right. to listen. But they planted right. seeds in my head. Now, right. I wound up going to prison. But when I went to prison, those seeds began to be watered. Because I got, exactly. I, I, thought, I picked up a book then. I started exactly. reading. I started reflecting exactly. on my life and myself. And those exactly. seeds began to water. So anybody out here who have who got that servant heart, that God brought you through something, you want to give back, there's two things you can do. You can be a good example and plant seeds. You can't make them. You can't force them. You can't coerce them. You can't force them to change none of that. But you can't right. plant a good seed, and you can be a damn good example for them. So, man, I appreciate you sharing that. Man, let's get into um. Let, 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 right quick, I just let me touch on that right quick. So, what I just want to say is, like me, I like what you said. I had to get to the point where when I help somebody, guys, I don't expect nothing. People always say, "What can you do? What can I do for you?" I said, "Man, just pray for me, man. If you if you feel like." It. But I had to quit expecting people to have the kindness in their heart that I have in mine. You know what I'm saying? When I give something, I don't expect nothing back. God already paying me. You know what I'm saying? And then one thing I had to understand about the youth, and I want y'all to listen to this real carefully because I go in juvenile halls a lot. The youth do not respect the OGs because they feel we have abandoned them. Now, in the in the, in the in the late sixties, when they passed the um, Civil Rights Act, nineteen sixty four, with Martin Luther King, and gave women public housing, Section Eight, the main stipulation was a man can't be in the household, or you can't be on government assistance. This was all part of a plan. So then the Vietnam War came; they sent our soldiers over there, and to deal with all that trauma around them, it was poppy seeds, pure heroin. So this is when. Our soldiers came back with PSD and heroin addicts. This was in the late 60s to the mid-70s. The black man was gone. He couldn't be in the household if he was on public system. Then he came back as a heroin addict. Now, in the mid-80s, when they hit with crack, what crack did was take the black woman out the household, left the little homie in the household, nothing in the refrigerator with baking sodas, little sister walking around with a 
pep on five days. Foster care rate went up 85% during the crack era. Group homes and all that. It had never, our children ain't never been in foster care like that until crack cocaine came because the woman was gone, right? So them kids, that's 1985. Them kids had children. Right, 20 years, 10, 15 years later, them crack babies. And them crack babies had children. That's who we dealing with. We dealing with the crack babies, grandbabies. They don't care about nothing but getting high and trying to kill something, bro. And, and, and they feel as though we have abandoned them because they say, hey, man, you want, you know what the other youngster told me? I went to Juvenile Home Talk. He said, OG, I ain't trying to hear all that. He said, man, you probably sold my grandmama them some crack, man. He said, you was one part of the reason my daddy you know, he was in foster care, man. He had me, and I only know who my daddy is, man. I ain't trying to hear all that. And I looked at him. I said, "Wow, I ain't never think of that." So now, when I go on juvenile hall, first thing I do, I stand up. I say, "Hey, man, my name is Fleetwood. I'm the founder of a coalition called the Cotton Pickers, and I want to apologize to each and every one of y'all for the drugs I sold in y'all community. I don't know if you touched your household, but I apologize, man, because I was wrong for that. So I feel as though we have to gain the youth trust." first to make them want to hear the message we want to deliver because they don't they don't trust us man they feel as though we have abandoned them and left them for nothing that's just my opinion everybody got a few opinions like a few fingers you know what i'm saying so i just wanted to touch on that when i deal with them juvenile halls them hard heads and juvenile you know that's how i approach them and that's how most of them feel don't nobody care about them most of them coming out of foster care from all kinds of um, um splattered households they ain't come from where we two parent households, or they ain't come up with uh, 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 Mahalia Jackson all in the background, or Minister Farrakhan in the morning, you know, uh, Elijah Muhammad in the morning, his speeches on the radio. Very few of them. They yeah. come up with Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion, <laughs> and, 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 and Two Chains playing on the radio early in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Right. So we have to understand our youth, that's our future, where they at mentally and spiritually, to be able to break that cycle. And I just think the best way to come at them is apologize to them. And man, start the conversation out with an apology. Say, man, I was responsible for selling your grandmama crack, man. I sold it to vets, wheelchair people, whatever. I'm about getting money. So that, I just wanted to share that, man. That's That has been my landscape with dealing with the youth, is to first apologize and give them to trust me, and then I, then I give them the message. Right. And man, you know, I don't know something about that. We got froze for for a brief minute, but you know, I want to share. You know, I want to share a story that, that that I experienced with a young brother. Over twenty some years, I've you know, two have been blessed to really go into a lot of juvenile facilities, a lot of schools, talk to tens of thousands of our young people across the country, and it's been a phenomenal journey and experience for me. But it wasn't um, that I was going. I had to get to a point. I used to think that I was going just to be a teacher, right? Not yes, everybody. Sir this we go to, to these young people and we think because we older that we experienced it that we know that we go to them just in the role of a teacher but right. when i put myself in the role of a teacher and a student i began to grow astronomically and to understand where they was coming from so i had to right. humble myself and I, I couldn't be like i'm older boy i've been there seen that done that shut right. up and listen to me right Right. I set up sometime and I thought, listen to what I really listened to what they were right. saying to me. I really listened. Right. I'm like, man, that make a lot of sense what they're saying. And if you look right. at it, their rationale, a minute they rationale from their experience, from their perspective, it makes a lot of sense from their yes, perspective, sir. right? Yes, so sir. I'm gonna yes, give sir. you a, 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 I'm gonna share a story with you, some of my experience, right? 
I worked in one of the worst high schools in St. Louis back in the 90s when I got out of prison. Um, it was Beaumont High School. It was one of the worst high schools at that time in the city right. of St. Louis. A lot of gang violence. It was a lot of people from like like impoverished communities that went to the school. A, a, lot, a lot of fighting, right? And there was this one young brother who um he was a crip, and his mother came to the school because we got him involved in our mentoring program. And um, she she came to the school and she said, "Mr. Muhammad saved my son," and she got to telling me the history. She told me how his father got killed. Has uncle got killed and had big brother in penitentiary, his other cousin in penitentiary. She like saved him. He's the only like male left in our family. Save him, right? And I said, right. Yes, ma'am. Sister, you know, we're gonna do all that we can, but the choice is on him, right? So right. one day this young brother here, he was acting crazy as hell, right? And in, in this school, we had the you know, we had a mentoring program at the school. I was working with a program called St. Louis Caring Communities okay. as a gang task force coordinator, right? Trying to work with our young brothers, right? right. And right. When, when something go on in this school, they would go on the intercom, and rather than call the guards in the school, they would say, Brother Muhammad, and this other brother named Brother Mac. They would say, Brother Muhammad, Brother Mac, come to this room, because we would go before the police go, because we can connect huh. with them young brothers. And right. so they would call us, and we would go to this room, and I go to this room, this little brother was going off on a sister. He was cussing the lady out, calling all kind of B's and H's, and you know, he was just crazy, like out of control, right? And so right. we get there. I'm trying to ascertain what's going on. A lot of chaos, a lot of commotion. With Brother Mac, his name was Tartel McClaw, and he was one of the school teachers there. He was a big old brother, man, like six, six, big, burly, strapping black man. You know, the kind they want on the plantation, right? He one of them kind of brothers, right? And he looked at he looked at this young brother, man, and he grabbed him. And I'll never forget this. And he grabbed him, and he said, hey, man, we love you. Oh, man, I'm telling you, as God is my witness, that young brother stopped. All the chaos, all the hell stopped. And I remember he looked up at Brother Mac and the teardrop came out of his face. He's like, damn, he's saying never had a man tell me that he loved wow. me, like wow. in a real way. So some right. part of when we deal with our young brothers, not only do we must we listen to him, but we got to come with some straight love. I mean, some real love. Not I want to use you, carry this package for me. Now I want to miss you, you go do this for me, hold this for me. No, 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 no. I'm talking about straight up love, like the love we have for our sons. If we right. have love for our sons, it should. We should have love for our sons. But I'm talking right. about that kind of genuine love. And I never forget that. And, you know, sadly to say, that young brother went on to carjack somebody and wind up getting killed, man. They wind up shooting a young brother in the head. He's 15 years old. But wow. I never forgot that experience, the look in his face, as crazy and angry as he was, when that black man looked at him and said, I love you. And it calmed him down. And I, I knew then that the saying was true, that love can soothe a savage beast. Okay, how crazy and chaotic our children are. It's a power of love. I'm talking about real love. I ain't talking about no superficial, spooky. I'm talking about some real, genuine love. That power and that force. And those of us who got that love in us like that, you know, we got the um, we have to love our young people beyond their hatred for themselves. You know what right. I'm saying? We got to love them beyond their hatred for themselves. So, man, that was a powerful um, 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 lesson that you shared and experience. But let's get on with um, like where you at right now. So right now, um, I'm seeing a lot with, with, with the cotton pickers. Um, I, I see a lot of your music coming out. I've been blessed to watch some of your documentaries, the one you did with the, the sisters in Oakland, the basketball team, and you know some of the, the, the documentary you did on, on the cotton pickers. You know, y'all listen, this brother is a phenomenal like filmmaker, documentarian. If, if that's a word, I don't know if that's a word, but I mean if, uh, author, you know, you know, talk about some of your books and and, and some of the films and documentaries that, that, that you've done and things like that. 
Well, first, I want to say, man, anything good that happened with me, it all comes from God. The bad stuff, I'm responsible for, you know what I'm saying? But um, I, I started off rapping, like I was talking before, and uh, O'Shea Jackson, shout out to Cube, Ice Cube. He always been my mentor. I ain't met him yet, but I will meet him. He always inspired me. He wrote the whole album straight out of Compton, except for Ren part. And I knew then, um, when I seen him in Boys in the Hood, I was like, man, if he can write that and write a movie script, I can do the same thing. So I started getting old, and I didn't want to be no old rapper. Because OG don't stand for original gangster. With me, it stands for originally gifted. So that's when I start writing hip hop, tried to kill me because that's when they start shutting, they start shutting down the ghetto boys, start shutting down um Goody Mob, Public Enemy, X Clan, Brand Newbie. They didn't want them in the industry. You know, the powers that be don't want no message on the radio. <clears throat> so I knew I had to reinvent myself. You know, I said, what's the best way to describe my journey in hip hop? And I said, it's trying to kill me, it's driving me crazy because they won't let me on the radio. So that was the first book I wrote um, in it, um, documents when I was 16 years old up until 2009. It was a national bestseller. I lived off that one book for three years. You know, I was traveling, doing book signings, you know, just living the life. And um, my uncle challenged me and said, is that all you got? And that's when I wrote three more books. I got two more I'm working on right now. And I'm from the Bay Area, out to Trump. Shout out to E-40, it's too short for te teaching us. I, I, had, I always thought I had my own company. So I got my own company, publishing company. You ain't getting my publishing. I do um, uh, author workshops, you know, teaching people, uh, learn how to write a book. And um, yeah, I started doing the book thing. And then I thought about it. I said, man, I got to keep going. I reinvented myself again. And I said, I'm going to do me a film, but I wanted to do it right and take about like 100,000 to 800,000 to do a film right. So I said, let me do a short film, a documentary. And I was looking for a story. And I was at work one day and I read the newspaper or the sports page about the fact that the Lady Warriors from McClymouth um, uh, uh, um, High School in West Oakland, they had won the championship after 36 years of not winning. But the true story was what they accomplished off the court. A lot of people don't know Oakland don't got no strip clubs, never will. You know, it's a cold, pimping and pandering culture in Oakland along with the Black Panther. That's the two sides of Oakland. So a young woman in, San in Oakland go through a whole lot just to make it to school. You know, dealing with the predators and, you know, violence in the household. Mama might have been a hooker. Daddy might have been a pimp, all that. So that was a triumph to me. It wasn't an on the court championship. It was a triumph just getting to school, getting your grades right, uh, practicing hard enough. All So I did a story on the Lady Warriors, man. That was my first documentary. It's called I Just Want a Ball. Right now, we've like two people from Oprah um, to get it to a TV series. And um, I was very proud of it. All four of the girls that I did the documentary on, they all went to junior college. They all prosperous right now. And uh, I'm looking one day to do a follow-up. I'm still balling. After I did that, two years later, I met a man, Bishop Henry Williams. I wanted to stay within the black fabric, but I didn't want to keep doing the same type of film. So I said, let me do something about our elders. So I met a man, Bishop Henry Williams, sat down and talked to him. And this man was from Mississippi. He had picked cotton for 18 years and never got paid and, and got tired and left and moved, migrated to Oakland. So I did a film called The Cotton Pickers. It's about the con game called Sharecropping, basically what the music industry is. And um, that's when I come up with it. I'm gonna continue to make these films and The Cotton Pickers gonna be my brand. <clears throat> and I'm just gonna continue to do um, different aspects of the life after slavery, you know, and doing slavery. And Cotton Pickers gonna be the umbrella. So then after that, is when I moved to Minnesota, I mean, not Minnesota, I moved to Arizona, I met you, 
And um, you see the boss back there, she on the cabinet. That's my baby, that's my world, my reason. That's Gazi niece. Her name is Zephaniah Miley Rose Bowden. She um she's real pretty, she get it from her dad, you know what I'm talking about. And uh <laughs> and uh, you know, I had my first child, man, at 54 years old. But me and the, the woman, we know each other, you know, and um I moved in with her and um, you know, I, I you know, we decided to separate. It's been almost three years now. But I couldn't brush my teeth and raise my head up as a man if I'd have left my child. You know, I've been blessed to drive a light rail train down here in Phoenix. I could have went back to Oakland and drive a BART, make 80000 a year easy. But I couldn't call myself a man if I leave my daughter, man. She's my whole world. She's a CEO right now. She's three years old. She owns Zephy Films. She owns You Ain't Get My Publishing. Feel me? She, she's on the board of Hip Hop or uh, uh, Homeboy Hotline. So um, that's where we at right now. Um, the second installment of the Cotton Pickle film series is called Gimme Mines. My Mule, My 40 Acres. You understand me? The Broken Promise. It'll be out Black History Month 2021. And um, I've been blessed to have a phenomenal soundtrack. Um, just I, my, The first single I released is called I Don't Trust You, Talking to the Police. I ain't say kill the police. I just say, hey, bro, hey, sis, we don't trust you. You filled out the application to be a police to walk that thin line. Or, or misuse or use authority the right way. I don't trust you. You ain't never gave me no reason to trust, trust you, officer. You understand me? And uh, we, we came out with a song, did real well, called I Don't Trust You. The video did real well. The second uh, song off the soundtrack is called Till You Do Right. Till You Do Right by Black People. Ain't no good gonna come to you. America. And I was blessed to have one of my teachers on the song, Cool Joe Goody. Shout out to the whole Goody Mob, Dungeon family. They ain't been doing nothing but embracing me. Um, they love my daughter. So the video, the song doing phenomenal right now. The thing is blowing up. Um, we got like about 16,000 views, man, about 13 days. And um, that's one of the songs. It's on the score of the film, on the soundtrack. And today, actually, I went to um, Vegas Friday. And Saturday, I was in L.A., and I shot some scenes for a new song I got called Blackberry. And we honored women, women with melody, our, our queens, you know. Without a queen, you know, we wouldn't be anything. A castle is never complete without a queen. You're just living in an empty building, you know what I'm saying? So I wanted to honor our dark-skinned sisters and our brown sisters. A lot of times, don't get no shine. Shout out to the red bones, but this one right here for the dark ones. You know, my mom was black like me, you know what I'm saying, brown like me. I think being black as hell just a sign. Maybe you ain't got none of that European blood in you. I don't know. That's just my opinion. So we got a song called Blackberry, and I'm actually shooting the last location today at Tempe Town Lake at 5 o'clock. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, I'm just releasing these videos and building up the momentum for Black History Month. And I just want to say, anybody that's watching this, man, you know, please use me, man. Please use me, man. Bring me in front of the children. Bring me in front of the elders. Let me show my film. Let me do a... Uh, 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 self-published workshop for you. You know, let me help explain my ins and outs and my mistakes in the music business. Get me in one of them juvenile halls and one of them prisons, man. Use me, man. Come on now. The number 415-685-1653. 415-685-1653. I can't keep this gift if I don't give it away. I'm here to help my people. I build bridges. I don't burn them, man. I'm here to network, man. A stranger's only a friend I never met, man. So anybody out there listening, Man, I know we're dealing with the COVID thing. We can do it like this. You know, get me in front of them youth, man. These are tools that God has gave me, bait to put on the hook to reel them in. So let's show a film with y'all peoples. Let's 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 do a book signing. You know what I'm saying? Let me come in. 
you know, um, talk about the music business. Maybe I can get cool and Goodie Mom them on the phone. Oh, the boss just fell off the cap. But um, yeah, man. So that's where we at right now. Um, Black History Month is gonna uh, hopefully God's will be a powerful launching pad uh, of, of a pathway to to God through my gifts He gave me. You know, I'm gonna hit him with the films. I'm gonna do book signings. You know, uh, you know, I'm gonna go inside some prisons and juvenile halls, every city I go to. And then you know do do some musically late night, so that's where we at right now, and um I'm already preparing for the third installment it's called Black Wellness. The Cotton Pickers present Black Wellness, and that's going to be based on the mental health aspect of being an African American. You know, um the torture, um of seeing our people hung from trees, and they love to show, they love to show that because they're trying to keep us afraid of. You know what I'm saying? Whips all on back. I, I had some pictures like that in my documentary. I told my editor, man, take that stuff out of there, man. I ain't trying to scare my people. I don't want my people to be scared. They, they're trying to traumatize us still. You know what I'm saying? That's why they show all them pictures of whips and stuff and feet cut off and all that. People hanging from, man, take that stuff out of my documentaries. So it's about the mental health aspect. It's called Black Wellness. That'll be out 2022. And um, also, I want to talk about the poisonous foods that we were forced to eat, that old pee. You know what I'm saying? Them old chips and all that old stuff. And how we had to take scraps and turn into delicatessies, but also has how how that has turned into a generational health uh, uh, problem for us with high blood pressure and different things. But the disease comes from that old pig, the old right. porky pig, you know. So that's that's gonna be the one. Come on, I mean, one that's um comes out 2022. You know, me proper preparation, preventive poor performance. I go to sleep late, wake up real early every day. I sleep about three hours. I'm about working, man. I've been cutting grass and making leaves since I was five years old. They couldn't fade me with Clorox, man. I know who I is. They know who I is, too. Are they going to find out? You understand right. me? But, man, um, let so me say, yes, man, sir. Let, let me say, man, you know, I appreciate you coming on, man, and, and sharing your story. And, and I know just some things I'll say about this brother. I know um, when I met him, um, this brother's probably one of the most organized brothers that I've met. You know, he, <laughs> he actually keeps a notebook. He, he scheduled his day out. He got notebooks that go back for years of what he gonna do on this day, and then he yes, go sir. back and pick up the the eighty eighth notebook under the yeah. pile and say, yeah. "Man, eight years ago I was doing this on this particular yes, day." Sir. When I seen that, I was impressed. Like, damn, that's yes, some sir. immaculate record keeping. But if you notice, everybody who's listening, if you notice something that that my brother keeps saying, like he got planned. Look for 2021, 2022. We should yes, always right. have goals that we striving toward. Don't yes, just sir. wake up in the middle of the day and somebody say, hey, how you doing? And your response is nothing, just chilling. You should never, <laughs> hey, it should never be nothing, just chilling. You should always have some kind of goal that you're striving yeah. for. Yeah. That, that you are trying to reach and something that you are trying yeah. to accomplish. And then yeah. once you accomplish that, yeah. it don't stop right there. No. It's time to go on to something else now. It's time yeah. to accomplish greater things, to, to climb greater mountains now, to, right. to ascend to greater heights now, right? So right. I like that, and that's something that I know about you. And um, let's put your um, website as well. So, because I, I want to put it in, in 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 the chat here. Is Z is in zebra? E is in egg. P is in Paul. H is in ham. Y is in yellow. Dot us. You will see my whole journey on there. You'll see everything that I've been blessed to do. You'll see how God has shaped and molded me to be who I am. Like I said, I ain't cocky. I'm confident. Now, I just want to say one thing God has just said about the preparation. So um, when I go into these different record labels, these book places, and I go into these corporations, I'm like a bank camera. I'm looking on their walls. 
how they set up for success. How they that's where I get a lot of it from. I go back home, I mimic everything they do. Mm-hmm. So do. I mimic everything. I go to sleep with a goal, wake up with a plan. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey man. And I don't listen to my music but one or two times. Cause I don't want to get stuck on that song. I don't watch my documentaries maybe one or two times. I don't want to get stuck on what I did yesterday. Cause then I try to everything else come after that gonna be part of, you know, look like that. I sound like that. No, bro. I make it. I listen to it two or three times, get my approval, thank the most high. Thank God for giving me the opportunity to do it. I put that in the safe. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And I write hooks all day. I've been blessed to catch lightning in the bottom, man. I'm a conceptual visionary. I could be in a room with 100 people, and they don't get the story I get out that room. You know what I'm saying? That's why I had to quit smoking that weed, man, because I used to forget a concept. I used to be mad as hell. Right. I even thought of something dope. Right. Then I hit that weed. Man, I'll be on Pluto and Mars. I'm like, damn, what was that thought I just had? Damn, I ain't write it down. And man, I said, uh-uh, this, hey, this ain't for me. I smoked that weed. My ears get the wiggle one wiggle at this side, one wiggle on this side. And I be done forgot everything. I done, man, uh-uh. So, yeah, just right quick, man. A to-do list is the best thing. You, no house is built without a blueprint. You got to have a plan. You know how they say. If you fail the plan, you plan on failing. I don't give a damn. It's three goals. What are you going to do to the end of this year? Write it down, man. And what steps is it going to take to get them goals accomplished? Every day, work on them steps until you get that goal accomplished. Plan on what are you going to do the first quarter of 2022, 2021, if God blesses us to see it. What are you going to do from January to March? Write it down. Put it on your refrigerator, man. When you wake up in the morning, put some meditation music on, Mr. Farrakhan, or some gospel music, man. And look at your plan, bro. Look at, look at, look at what you're seeking for. Turn the phone off. You don't want to, all them people with all that drama calling you early in the morning when all trying to drain you better. Focus on what God wants you to accomplish. And you got to have a blueprint. No house has been built ever without a blueprint. If it was, it didn't stand. So yeah, I just want to share that with y'all, man. You know, get at me, man. I'm telling you, I share every resource I got with you. I ain't funny style. Uh-uh, not me. Uh-uh. Yeah. 415-685-1653-815-685-1653-815-685-1653-815-685-1653-815-685-1653-815-685-1653-815-685-1653-815-685-1653-815-685-1653-815-685-1653-815-685-1653-815-685-1653-815-685-1653-815-685-1653-815-
God bless you and your work to soar to the highest heights. And we're going to be looking for you, brother, in the atmosphere, brother, in the stratosphere, brother. You know, we see them stars up there. There you go. They're going to Fleetwood right there, man. You know? Yeah. You know, they're going to brother Fleetwood. And, you know, that's what it's all about. Listen, each and every one of us, we have a gift. God has blessed all of us with something to give and to contribute. Don't downplay what you got to offer to this equation. Don't think it got to be something big. It can be small, but everybody on this call who's going to listen to it live or listen to the replay, you have something to offer to this equation to improve our situation. Don't be afraid to express what God gave you, your gift, your skill, and your talent. And uh, with that, we're going to say peace. Uh, thank you all for joining back on track, but we're committed to impacting, inspiring, and empowering. And uh, we'll stay tuned for another episode. You all have a blessed day. Thank you, Brother Fleetwood. We appreciate you, brother. Thank you, soldier. Thank you all for joining. Thank you so much for listening. We pray that you are inspired to get your personal and business life back on track and in alignment with your divine purpose. Please subscribe, share this podcast, and join us for future episodes. And remember, your authentic self is powerful beyond measure.